following message is recorded at City Light Church in Vicksburg, Mississippi. City Light Church exists to shine the light of Christ in our city and world through the transformed lives of His people. For more information on the church and its ministries, please visit www.citylightvicksburg.org. Today's sermon passage comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. How's everybody doing this morning? I hope this series of messages, class, and session that we've been sharing here over the last few weeks have been a blessing to you. It's certainly been a blessing to me. Uh, You know, it's always a great thing to come and to hear God's word, but to hear it on topics that are near and dear to you. Uh, Because again, these topics were not pulled out the air. We had a, a season where we encouraged everybody to drop questions in the boxes. And so it was from those questions that we pulled these topics together. And uh, this morning, the topic is how should the Christian handle sin? I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was a good one. I thought it was so odd that it would be me that would preach it. Uh, but God in his sovereignty knows what's best for us. Amen. And I've been charged by uh, some in the church to make sure the message went more than 10 minutes, so uh, pray for me, I'll pray for you, amen? In the first few chapters of Romans, the whole world is basically declared uh, guilty before God. Uh, in Romans 1, he talks to the Jews, in Roman, well, in to 1, he talks to the Greeks, and th- 2, the Jews, 3, the whole earth, saying that no one is righteous, no one understands, no one seeks for God. In Romans 3, the latter part, uh, going on into chapters 4, 5, and 6, he talks about this justification, this righteousness that's obtainable by faith in Jesus Christ. And 4, saying even of Abraham that because of his, his faith, righteousness was imputed to him. Then the start of chapter 7 gets into the law and how by the law sin becomes sin. Paul saying the very commandment that promised life proved to be death for him. And while trying to make sense of it all, Paul becomes uh, or he has somewhat of an uh, 
identity crisis. And, you know, that's the section of scripture that we'll actually walk through this morning in Romans 7, 14 through 25. How should the Christian handle sin? The more I thought about the pairing Christian and, and sin, the more they rubbed up against each other. You know, not in a, a, a comfortable way, but a very uncomfortable way, a vinegar, vinegar and oil not mixing kind of way, a, a, a sandpaper chafing kind of way, a, a, a holy and righteous God and a people who he calls stubborn and stiff-necked whose righteousness is before him as a filthy rag kind of way. You see the, the divide there? And, and if you talk about the world or if you look at the world, they even, they, they expect this perfection from Christianity and maybe even rather we even hold ourselves to a certain standard, right? But then often we find ourselves saying, Lord, forgive me. And it's oftentimes something that you've already said, Lord, forgive me for time and time again. Is that right? So the pairing again simply doesn't mix. It doesn't match. They are contrary one to the other. And so we uh, find in our topic, like our text this morning, as well as our own Christian experience, it is marked by this division. And the only means of making peace with this divide is faith in Christ. Amen. Let us pray. No, I'm joking. That's the only joke I'm going to tell because my jokes in Scripture don't go over too well. In our text, Paul highlights this division in the Christian experience. Uh, and there are some who believe that Paul in this particular portion of Scripture is speaking of himself before Christ and not necessarily in Christ. Uh, pointing to phrases like sold under sin in verse 14. Uh, noting that nothing good dwells in me in verse 18 and then in verse 24 saying, you know, a wretched man that I am. Uh, saying that these don't sound like the confessions of a believer, but it does sound like the, the confession of a believer who's asking the question how I should handle sin. Right. Because if you look at Paul's own declaration of himself in other parts of Scripture, Paul thinks quite well of himself, doesn't he? calling himself according to the law in one passage of Scripture, saying that he was blameless, that he outdid all his peers in, in, in pertaining to righteousness concerning the law. Amen. And these are not the words that we see Paul dealing with. And so I believe Paul is wrestling himself and we get to see ourselves. Hopefully you'll see yourselves. I'm sure if you're a believer, you see yourself in this text. Amen. And so I say again, here describes a man who, like Isaiah, has seen himself in the light of God's holiness and has been educated just how deep the darkness of his flesh really is. So we look at the text. Uh, I see a man who is addressing the very question that we asked this morning, how should the Christian handle sin? And I think it's important to note the tension of the text, if you've ever read it, it, it can seem confusing. That which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I would do, I, I don't do and do do. It seems confusing. Again, he, he, he finds himself almost in a, 
uh, I call it an, a, a bipolar moment. But the tension is because, again, Paul is wrestling with sin, not that he is comfortable with sin. Verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. The law is spiritual. The word here is pneumaticos. It's spiritual, it's holy, it's supernatural, it's other. And then Paul says of himself, I am flesh, or rather I am of the flesh. The word there is sarkikos, sold under sin. The word means pertaining to the flesh, bodily, animalistic, unregenerated, right? Carnal. So Paul says that the law is spiritual, it's holy, it's righteousness, and I I'm not. I am of the flesh, sold under sin. There is a nature, there is a part of me that is so far from the holy and righteous law of God and what that law says about me that at times I just don't know how to make sense of it. Has anybody ever been there looking at your own walk with Christ and feeling the disconnect between what God says about you and how you feel about yourself. Verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, Watch him quantify it. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight. Hear him. Are these the words of an unbeliever? For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? These are not the words, again, scholars have divided, you know, is this, is this pre uh, conversion Paul is this post-conversion Paul. This is uh, a post-conversion Paul, and this is not a man who's trying to make peace with his sin or trying to shirk responsibilities for his actions when he finds himself outside of himself or overtaken. And we're not telling you to make peace with sin. Amen. I want you to hear that. These are the words of a man who's just received a uh, word uh, or rather, who just received yeah, a word that a cancerous sickness has invaded his body and is causing all manner of dysfunction. He literally feels as if, as if his body is betraying him in this moment. For the good that I want to do, I don't find a way to do it. I, I don't have the ability to carry it out. But the very thing that I hate, that which I do. Anybody ever been there? 
These are the words of a man who is in search of a cure. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 22 again, he says, For I delight in the law of God. I delight in your, in your law, God. I endorse it. I concur. I agree with it that it is spiritual and that it is holy and that it is righteous. These are not the words of an unbeliever who is comfortable with sin. These are the words of a lover of Christ Jesus who is struggling to make sense with his two natures, the nature that is born again after Christ and the nature that is in him born in sin and shaping in iniquity as a result of Adam's sin. Amen? And how do we know again? He says, I delight in your law. Right? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says what? The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's hostile towards God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And he's saying, God, I delight in your law. So again, this is Paul wrestling. Amen. This is us wrestling. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit itself to the law of God. Again, these are not the words of a man who is comfortable. These are the words of a man who looks to God and says, God, I want your heart to smile when you look at me. You ever found yourself in a position where you were just so broken and so desperate crying out to God because you felt that, th that, that there was no more grace for you? Amen. You felt like the, 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 the times were up. And we feel like that. Why? Because that's how we operate, right? You cross the line. I said, I, I can't forgive you. We're quick to cut people off. And so we feel that way towards God. But God is not so, amen? David echoed Paul's heart here in Psalm 51 saying, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Hide your face from my sin. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. David doesn't have any broken bones at this moment, but David's talking about the weight, the crushing realities of sin in the heart of a man that professes to love God. See, I don't think our question should actually be how should the Christian handle sin. Because I don't think... Again, any believer, I don't think Paul is, I know I'm not, I don't think you are, I don't think you're at a place or have ever been in a place in your walk with Christ where you've actually been comfortable with sin. Am I right? I think our question should be, how do I maintain joy while dealing with the reality of sin? Again, David said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He talks about this crushing weight, the bones that you have broken, let them to know, make them to know joy. The question is not that, you know, are, are we fighting? We're fighting. But fighting sin is not the issue. And again, I'm not saying get comfortable with your sin. Amen. You're fighting sin. David is fighting sin. Paul is fighting sin. The question is, how does God see me or rather, does God see me like I see myself in this moment? When I'm, when I'm looking at myself and I'm, 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 I'm 
muscling myself to talk to God because in that moment, I don't want to talk to God. I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship. I don't want to, you know, read the word. But those are the very things that we should do, right? But in that moment, we don't want to be in God's presence. We want to flee from God's presence. We get so tired of fighting again, but not fighting sin. We get tired of fighting unbelief. We get tired of fighting discouragement. We get tired of confessing the same thing over and over and over again. The fight is that believing God, or rather believing God, believing what God has to offer is better than what the world has to offer. We are not perfect. Amen. But we are not hopeless. We don't live in a perpetual state of winning, but we don't live in a perpetual state of defeat either. Amen? We are not without hope. Now, as I was thinking through and, 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 and preparing for the message, you know, I know what we all want, especially on such a subject, is uh, a means of keeping ourselves, right? You know, seven steps to live sin-free. You know, that's what we want. Give us something practical so I can feel good because I know I got it right this time, right? But the truth is, family, there, there's only one step. There's only one thing that we need. Look at verse 25 with me. After he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He gives us the one step that we need. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one step. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Go on into eight. There is therefore now no condemnation. Why? Why don't I have to listen to the lies of the enemy that would discourage me from seeking my father out in prayer? The one who gave his very life. Why would I allow the enemy to discourage me to go to before the Lord? There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, look at verse 10 with me if you're in Romans. He says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Let's go on to 16. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, nor to receive its condemnation. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, not reprobates, not disqualified sons of God. 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, to give over to your sin, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the assurance 
that we're looking for, as we struggle, as we look to this question, as we answer this question for ourselves, we're looking for that assurance that, God, I'm still yours, that I am a son or daughter of God. That's what we're looking for, right? You won't find that in seven steps. Paul did not find it. Again, Pharisee of the Pharisee, he called himself, right? Regarding the law, blameless. But when he sees himself in the light of Christ, he says, like Isaiah, woe is me. And that's us. That's you. That's me. But the only place that we find the, the, the confirmation of sonship is not in our performance, but in his purchase. Amen? Hallelujah. The battle of sin is not won by the sweat of your brow. It is won by the blood of your Christ. Thank my dear sister Heather for this. Danish theologian Soren, and I'm going to butcher this last name, Kierkegaard, said the opposite of sin is not virtue. It's not you getting it right. Amen. It's faith. You cannot earn your righteousness, but you can inherit it through faith in Jesus Christ. So how does the believer handle sin? We fight. Yes, Scripture says, we have portion of Scripture that says, I, I buffet my body to bring it under subjection, right? We have portions of Scripture that says that we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing every thought subject to the obedience of Christ. We fight. Amen. We fight with this sickness and with this dysfunction, this dysfunction that is in our members. We fight the good fight of faith. We fight to make Jesus more glorious and more beautiful than anything else. Amen. We fight to make time and Holy Scripture a priority. Amen. We fight to make our prayer time passionate and not just passive. Amen. Not just saying this quick prayer before I run into work or this quick prayer as I'm driving. And those things are good and don't stop those things. But make time alone. With God, if you if you if you ever are in a relationship or ever been in a relationship, you made time right to come away with your special friend. Right. I know I did. We would just walk. You know, we didn't have to go nowhere. You know, it didn't have to be nothing special as long as it was just the two of us. Amen. And we want to be intentional about our time with God just like that. We want to fight to make church membership exactly what it was intended to be and submit ourselves to the accountability of believers. Amen. We want to fight the temptation to paint the picture that all is well and I don't have any struggles. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Amen. And above all, and we work to a close, we want to fight the lies of the enemy that the cross of Christ was not enough. Adam in the garden, he had perfect fellowship with God. He had never had a, a moment where he and God was not on the same page. And in this moment, as Adam woman bit of the fruit and gave to him and he did also eat, and the voice of God comes, comes, comes walking in the garden, Scripture says, Adam does what? He hid himself. 
That's not how we want to handle sin. Amen. David, a man after God's own heart, Scripture says, did horrendous things, but David was quick to repent. David was quick to turn. David was quick to confess. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How should the Christian handle sin? Yes, we fight, but we don't allow the enemy to stop us from confessing. Keep your heart before the Lord. When he comes walking, when the voice of the Lord comes walking in the garden of your heart, don't hide from it because of sin. Confess it before the Lord and enjoy the fellowship that he purposed, that he intended, that he sent his son for you to have. Amen. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive, but not just forgive. The scripture goes on to say, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if God has forgiven, this thing never stays on. If God has forgiven, and cleansed from all unrighteousness, is sin handled? Amen. Sin is handled. The issue, family, is faith. John Piper, as he preaches through these texts, tells of a, uh, a missionary who got out of the ministry, left his family, and when asked why, why did he walk away from ministry? Why did he leave his family? He said, I was tired of fighting. Not sin, unbelief. I was tired of struggling in my faith that God would hear me and forgive me again. Gospel singer, everybody probably, a lot of people in here probably heard the name Tony. You listen to his music, you can hear him struggling with sin. And some years after, he comes out of the closet, leaves gospel music, leaves the ministry, no longer walking with the Lord. He's struggling. Will God forgive me again? God is not like us, family. His mercies are made new every morning. His compassions fail not. Scripture says that the arm of the Lord is not short so that he cannot save. He is faithful and just to not only forgive, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only believe. Amen. Only believe. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful for your amazing grace, God, for the great love by which you love us, God. And we don't always understand it. We can't make sense of it, God, because at times we don't love ourselves. As we struggle through uh, moments of, of, of sin and, and loving you and trying to make sense of the parts of us that loved you and the parts of us that wants to sin, God, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to know and trust your heart, that your heart towards us is perfect, God, that your love is perfect, God. 
that your work on the cross is a finished work, God, that the work that you're doing in us, Lord, according to your word, that you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that not because of our works, not because of our record, Lord, but because of the blood of your Christ, that Lord, when we see your face, we will be able to hear the words, well done, now good and faithful servant, because we believed on you. And Lord, where we falter, and you know we will, I pray that every heart, Father, would cry out as the, the man who had the son. Lord, as you asked him, do you believe I can heal your son, Lord? And he said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Help us in our moments where our faith is weak, God. Help us to hold on. Help us to confess it again and again. Help us to find freedom in your, in your forgiveness, God for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This message was brought to you by the family and friends of City Light Church. For church worship times, directions, support opportunities, or other ministry information, please visit www.citylightvicksburg.org.